When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here along with our journeyman correspondent, as he wants to be called, into the studio, Sage Rosenfels. What is up, Sage? Good to have you. Well, initially you wanted to call me a reporter, and I thought correspondent, basically because it has more syllables, sounded more yeah. uh, prestigious. And totally understandable. Correspondent much better than reporter. Yeah. Well, I mean, you at the NFL Combine did great actual reporting. You got to step into the shoes of a real reporter for a while and take your iPhone around and bother people to talk with them. So you've got that experience now. Yeah, basically, I just walked around uh, the convention center and would try to run into anybody and everybody that I knew from my past history, whether it be Alex Marvez from my time uh, playing with the Dolphins to James Palmer, who I had just sort of become friends with over the course of the last year, uh, and all these people in between. So I had a great time, and hopefully I'll be able to go back again this year. Sounds like I'll be able to. So that's a long ways away. But, man, that combine, that was the first time going there since 2001. I had a great time. Well, you are at uh, Vikings training camp, so you got a chance to look at uh, what this new Vikings offense looks like. Get your uh, big quarterback football brain rolling. Uh, maybe first before we can get into uh, some of the stuff with Kirk Cousins and the offense, and I know that you are very interested in this backup quarterback competition. I have said before on the show, key. I, am, I, key. Am not, I am not interested. As much as I love the journeyman quarterback, and you know I do, Mannion versus Sloter does not interest me, but let me ask you about training camp. Tell me about training camp. When you come out here and you see everybody out here, what is your first feeling? Is it, man, miss those training camp days or uh, <laughs> glad you're on this side now? Well, you know, a couple of different things. The, you know, for one, when I uh, came up here to Minnesota in 2009, uh, I had just come from three years in Houston and four years in Miami. So that's seven years in some of the hottest training camp climate <laughs> there was. And that was back in the, the real two days time mm-hmm. where we truly practiced twice a day uh, in both places for, I, I think in Miami one time it was 17 straight days maybe or something. I, 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 th- I feel like we broke the rules. The rules were a little bit grayer back then. Um, so <clears throat> now they come up here and then to have it be 82 degrees with a nice northerly br- uh, breeze, uh, it was it was much much better. Low humidity. It felt like today. It was a nice day of practice, all things considered. So you know what I saw out at practice, and you want to get into the, you know, sort of the strategy or the X's and O's types of things. Is I saw 
pretty much what I expected to see in a sense of I know Gary Kubiak uh, sort of has this installation process uh, that he goes through it, and all coaches do, and all offenses do, and and you know Stefanski and, and, and Kubes working together, you see that process, uh, and, and it starts off with that outside inside zone running scheme, which you see a lot, not just in the 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 sort of inside drills without the receivers, but you see in the teamwork, and then. Everything that goes off of it, every play action, uh, bootleg type stuff, uh, and they sort of play this little game with you know the defensive ends, and sometimes it's this, the safeties and the secondary players, the linebackers who are trying to fill gaps with the run, but then they have to play the pass. Uh, it's that little game, and I think that's going to really maximize you know Kirk Cousins' strengths. I think it's going to minimize his weaknesses, which I think is you know being in the pocket, holding on to the football. I also mm-hmm. think it's going to help out our offensive line. And from what I saw from, I was watching some individual drills with Rick Dennison today. And you see the way, and I, of course, I'd never really had a chance to really study like the mm-hmm. offensive line individual. I was sure. busy doing my own thing individually right. uh, with receivers or running backs or just the quarterbacks by ourselves. So to see how he's teaching you know, these combination blocks and the cut blocks, they're working on a cut block drill today. Well, as Vikings fans probably know, that is one of those uh, uh, you know, talking points that anyone who's played against this style uh, of offensive running scheme knows about the, uh, the cut blocks because sure. a guy occasionally sure. somebody will tear an ACL on the defensive line and people mm-hmm. will get upset and they should outlaw these things. But you know the way they teach it and the way they dive to try to get your head across you know the knees uh, in, in the front of the defensive line to where you cut off that gap, which then allows those big holes to happen when the defenses aren't gap sound. So uh, you saw some of those drills today. And again, it's it's all in that whole zone, outside zone, inside zone with the bootleg and play action. That's what we saw today. Gap sound. Just mark that one down. Gap, Being sound. gap sound. Already we're four minutes in and you've <laughs> exceeded the football-y football limit. Um, so, okay, with Cousins, this is the whole thing that they're selling us from top to bottom. I literally mean top. We talked to the owner of the team today, Mark Wilf, and he's talking about... Well, you, you had breakfast with them and tea and things like oh, that, Oh, right? of course, yes, yeah. Right. And he took me up in the helicopter and everything else, right? Um, so... <laughs> But uh, so Mark Wilf, though, he, what, what is he talking about? He's talking about Gary Kubiak. He's talking about the new system. And I, and I feel like it's almost sort of just become, I'm sure for fans, like noise at this point of new system. Kubiak's going to save everything. But it's almost like to me, they looked at Kirk Cousins and what he does well and what he doesn't do well and said, we probably had the wrong guy for him last year. We criticized DeFilippo's play calling. A, I think a we lot. were the first. A lot. I, we I, were. I think it was like week five we or were so. In early. And maybe even before that. And I'm like, you know, second and one. <laughs> I just want to run the football, but if we're going to throw it, like let's take a shot. Yes. But but we, we we would we would be in shotgun on second and one, which meant like we're basically going to have to throw the football here. And so yeah, very early on, we we were both like this is not really. Um, we don't think this is doing what's best for the offense, in particular the quarterback. Yes, and you know, this is not Tom Brady back there or Pat Mahomes mm-hmm. back there. Uh, and and I think this style of system. And by the way, any football fan, whether it's the Vikings or the Bears. Or anybody, all these systems, you know, this coach's system that he's mm-hmm. bringing in, blah, 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 blah. But I will say this is, you know, Gary Kubiak and, and, and now Stefanski who's learning from him a lot is, you know, they've been around and they've been, been, been around a lot of different teams and seen a lot of different quarterbacks have success, different teams have success. 
uh, and how to sort of maximize the running game with the play action and things like that. So, you know, they have sort of seen there and done it. So there really is a system in place. It's mm-hmm. a tried and true way that has had success in the, in the past from guys like Brian Greasy in Denver, sure. yeah. uh, who at one point was a 15 and touchdown one interception guy, uh, like halfway through a season, mm-hmm. to Matt Schaub, who was a Pro Bowl MVP one year, right? Jake Plummer. To Jake Plummer, who had, you know, threw 40 touchdowns, I think, or something mm-hmm. like that one year. Threw for 4,000 yards, and they threw something like 15 drop back passes the entire season. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was yeah. Jake Plummer. You know, yeah. find, what was his strength? It's a guy who could run on, be on the move and right. super athletic. Like it wasn't a guy to drop back seven steps in the pocket. That's a guy like Tom Brady or, right. or maybe like an Aaron Rodgers or something. So, uh, you know, and there's, but there's this progression to this system where, you know, it, not only is it progression in during the season, but there's sort of like year one, there's year mm-hmm. two, because you can add more and more things. Sure. As time goes on, the fortunate thing is they do have a quarterback who has played this thing in the past Mm -hmm. for a number of years. And so my hope is that they can use some of that experience and then and sort of move along a little bit quicker, not have to like truly be, you know, very vanilla and and basic early on. But they can get sort of the advanced stages of this system uh, within, you know, the, the first part of the year. So you said something to me on the practice field, Sage, that I want you to kind of explain in a little more depth, which is that on some of those rollouts, Kirk Cousins just gets himself more space. And this was a DeFilippo criticism that I had, especially in the game against the Bears. It stands out where was Riley Reef lining up against Khalil Mack on a few plays and a drop back pass from the shotgun where they didn't necessarily have to. On third and long, you have to. But if it's first and 10, if it's second and seven, you don't have to if you want to throw the ball just drop straight back and you can move the line and manipulate the line of scrimmage to give your quarterback a better chance. But Kirk Cousins oh, wait, specifically uh, as a quarterback. Real, real quick, real yeah. quick. Imagine being those three players. All right, Kirk Cousins, all right, Riley Reef at left tackle and Khalil Mack. Okay, and it's second and seven. All right, imagine the mindset when the play mm-hmm. call comes in for a seven-step drop out of shotgun. Sure. All right, am I, imagine what Kirk Cousins has to be thinking with that concern coming at him. Imagine what Riley Reef is thinking. Right. Now imagine what Khalil Mack is thinking, right? right. He's like, oh, man, this is great. You know, he sees, yeah. a, sees shotgun on, on second and seven, and I think this is going to help protect and make, make it more like, you know, Kirk Cousins feels great about the play, and Riley Reef loves this play because he gets to mm-hmm. come off on a bootleg and just smack Khalil Mack in the face and not really worry about having to pass protect for for four or five seconds right so that's the thing that i see and that i was looking back at on tape um, for the 49ers is just how they made things much easier on their quarterbacks i mean nick mullins averaging over eight yards a pass and you were a beneficiary of mr kubiak Uh, you have a pretty good yards per attempt for your career when the league average when you're playing the league average is like six and a half yards per attempt and you're well over seven and uh, so I, I'm, I'm thinking about Kirk in his best years, 2016, his best year in yards per attempt, and, and getting those bigger plays down the field. Uh, th- this, to me, is where it does make a lot of sense. I think Kirk is going to be Kirk, but if you get him with more space so he feels more comfortable and isn't standing there patting the ball, patting the ball, and waiting for the timing of the play to play out, but actually moving him to a place while the routes play out, I feel like that's just better for him as a quarterback. Well, so this is like something I talk about when I train some of these high school quarterbacks uh, a little bit in the offseason is, you know, when teams, when you're a quarterback and you're under center or you're in shotgun and you just straight drop back, what do the linebackers do and the safeties do in the corners? They drop back too. Mm -hmm. If you actually turn your back to the defense and go and fake a handoff, 
and it's timed out well and choreographed well with the offensive line, the tight ends. That looks like the run. What do those linebackers do? They don't drop back. Right. They step up. Right. Right. So it's much easier if you get them to step up into the line of scrimmage, near the line of scrimmage, and flow. Uh, whether the quarterback is in a, in a true play action, which means he sort of stays in the pocket after the after the uh, play fake, or on a bootleg where he gets out of the pocket. Now you've displaced people, and you create these big, uh, big areas of the field that are wide open, mm-hmm. uh, sort of over those linebackers, and sometimes under the safeties, or even deep down the field. You know, safeties for years they're not a lot of times they're not as good as uh, you know playing the ball as like a corner. Mm-hmm. You know, they're at they, they have, they're a lot of times they're sort of a mix of a tackler and a secondary player. You know, like a box safety type of guy. So you get them back there deep, and you just throw one up with Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs one on one. Even if the safety is deep and playing the ball correctly, you know I like our chances on that. So that play action bootleg stuff allows those those big uh, uh, areas of the field, big green areas of the field, green grass areas of the field to you know become more wide open. It's because you've displaced. Uh, the linebackers and also the defense has to play the run Mm -hmm. that is a big aspect of it too I mean Khalil Mack if he can play the run for us for three or four steps before then realizing it's a pass Mm -hmm. that is an extra two seconds uh, that the quarterback will have in the pocket but if you straight again if you straight drop back they're looking at all those little things and so which means he's you know uh, you know going right out for the quarterback at you know six seven eight yards deep uh, which gives Khalil Mack an advantage okay so here's the thing I was thinking about and I asked both Mike Zimmer and Kevin Stefanski about this today about okay we've talked about why play action works you broke it down right there the numbers behind it that I could tell you uh, and I've probably told you before with Kirk are exceptional and he's one of the rare quarterbacks that's consistently exceptional when it comes to play action whatever that might be because he's very detailed and whatever but he's just great at it and and like you've talked about by the way you also have to make fewer sort of split second decisions which probably helps him a lot right so when you get out there you have a little time to go to sort of look over the field and go okay what's my best shot here is the guy open or not and you don't have to be absolutely perfect with the football as far as location uh if you have a good play action game it really helps the quarterback And, and i'm finding these numbers for you to put a specific on it with kirk cousins last year with play action he's the fourth best quarterback in the nfl and rating 116.1 quarterback wow. rating when he's using play action and when he's not 95.2 which is okay but it's not anywhere close to 116 and over eight yards an attempt for Kirk Cousins using play action. This is why they got Gary Kubiak here. Yes, and so it also, I think, sometimes goes off of, you know, when a quarterback comes in the league, from whether you're playing a Big Ten school or a Big 12 school or a Pac-12 school, but when you come in the league and you have those first two, three, four years of coaching, sort of the foundation uh, of your, uh, you know, your learning as a quarterback, right? So his foundation was this style of offense. And so then to sort of come back to this style, uh, is you know sort of like it's like riding a bike you know mm-hmm. it's pretty it might be a different sized bike or whatever but sure. he hasn't ridden a bike in a long time or he's been riding a, a horse for the last four years but now to get back on the bike it's uh, it's pretty easy he can sort of wake up in the morning and probably run this offense uh, and again I think there's going to add to it and I my hope is that they do make. Um, take advantage of Kirk's smarts because he's not just a Jake Plummer who's a really good athlete who throws well on the run. He's a really smart guy, so can they add some more things uh, to sort of bring the offense to another level so it's not just call it and run it every single time? So here's my question, though, and this is what I asked uh, Zimmer and Stefanski was, all right, well, a lot of teams have the data. 
and this has been an off-season talking point, so usually when everyone's discussing play action, things like that, then every defense is going to go, okay, well, we know they're running that Kubiak system. We know they're running the outside zone and the play actions. How are defenses going to adapt? Like, what did good defenses do to stop the play action? Because I, I feel like we're going to see a lot of that of, uh, from Minnesota Vikings opponents. Uh, you know, it's a good question. I, I do know this, that, you know, nobody wants to have the run, uh, have the, have the, another team run the ball down your throat. You know, sure. no one wants to be bled to death with five and six and seven yard runs. So that's the challenge of it. At the end of the day, they still have to play the responsibility defensively, whether it's D-line or linebackers, and step up and fill those gaps. Right. Because uh, if they're slow to that or like, well, we're going to play a little more towards the pass. Offenses will, in this this style of offense, they will run the ball down your throat if you're not in your, you know, your, your, um, required gap or whatever so that is the challenge and so even when teams sort of know it's coming there's not much you can do about it and I multiple times in my career in this system I would have officials come up and say man I'm having a hard time telling the difference between a run or a pass you know there's different holding penalties based off of it's a runner or a sure, pass, say, sure. for the offensive line or defensive line or, mm-hmm. or things like that. And those back judges a lot of times are responsible for certain things like that. And they, when they can't always tell uh, if it's a runner or a pass, it, it creates a problem for them. And when you get this thing really oiled up and looking the same, but that takes the left guard set in the right way. That takes the, the running back t- doing the right type of fake or even, uh, you know, the, and obviously the quarterback and all the things that he does. Uh, the, when the thing is working just right, the runs look just like the passes, and that puts the defense in the mind. So I don't know exactly, you know, what they do to try to, you know, slow this thing down. And and I, I know what the RPO game, mm-hmm. uh, the, what teams do is they don't play zone defense. They right. play man yeah. defense, so every ball is yep. contested. So obviously like the, the, the guy that's man-to-man on a wide receiver, he's not responsible for the run, so he doesn't care about the fake at all. He's just playing the slant or the quick out or whatever that RPO is. So that's sort of the way to take away that RPO game. You're not rusty at all. Yeah. Boy, boy, we haven't we haven't Back been on. We, yeah, we have uh, since the end of the season. We got to draft season. We broke down all the quarterbacks draft season. I thought, okay, he'll come back a little rusty. You know, hasn't broken down anything on a podcast recently or on a show. No slowing down. Well, since you pay me by the word, I try to get as much <laughs> as <I> possible. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, Irv Smith. I want to hear your analysis and breakdown of why Irv Smith can create challenges for opposing defenses. If we're going to have you on here in studio, Sage, we're going to go extremely excessively football, and that is what we are doing on the show today. So let's take a quick break. We'll return. Be right back here on Purple Daily. on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, along with former NFL quarterback, current journeyman correspondent for the show, Sage Rosenfels. And uh, if you missed the first segment, we were just obscenely breaking down football and the play action and why it could work for Kirk Cousins. I want to get into Irv Smith and the best case scenario for Irv Smith. But let me ask you this, Sage, in terms of the actual production for the Vikings offense, what do you think the best case scenario is based on who they have, who's around Kirk Cousins, if they stay healthy? Because last year they're 19th in scoring and they were 22nd in expected points for passing. And that's just not going to win you anything in the NFL. With this defense, I, I feel like you have to get into that top 12, top 8 in an offense to be in the conversation at the end of the day. 
Well, the new word is efficiency. I think that's the new word that people talk about. It's not necessarily leading the NFL in number of yards or number of touchdowns. It's all about efficiency. Uh, and, you know, the, the tight ends in this system are very important. And I think every, you know, North Turner probably said the same thing. But I truly believe in this system more than the others. And part of that is because of that running game. You know, it's hard to do these sort of the outside zone type running scheme when a tackle is by himself but when he's got that tight end next to him now they can double team the defensive end as they work their way up to the outside linebacker but then there's the play action stuff that goes off of it and you know a lot of times in play action one tight end is blocking and one of them's out on the route right Mm -hmm. um or uh, in other situations that they can both go on routes and again more like straight drop back stuff so uh they're usually not the like the number one guy in the style of offense but when you have two really good receivers on the outside who are going to take up a lot of attention the tight end should both to me uh, and this is a type of system where the number one tight end doesn't necessarily have a lot more catches than the number two guy a lot of times Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times the number two guy is a little more you know shannon sharp was almost a number two tight end in this type of system he usually was not at the point of attack on these running games right shannon was more of a a faster uh, receiver type tight end. So he was like sort of that perfect number two type guy, a guy that can win uh, almost a hybrid wide receiver. You know, when I was in Houston, we had Jeb Putzier, who was a receiver at Boise State in college. They made him into a tight end. Of we course, had, because of that name. That's right. That we, is a tight end name. It's a great name. And then we had Owen Daniels, who was a, a shoot a, a quarterback at Wisconsin, then became a tight end. We drafted him. He was a smaller tight end and sort of learned how to block. But I can see both guys getting, you know, maybe Rudy, uh, you know, 45 catches and maybe Irv Smith, 35 catches. You know, both guys very involved in particular because of those outside receivers and how much attention they're going to get in the passing game. So to your point, though, about uh, just circling back to what the Vikings offense can do in terms of its ceiling, um, yards and points, well, points is always good. But, like, yards don't always tell you the story. And last year we learned that with Cousins when you're down a couple of touchdowns, things like that. And that's why I like to look at expected points added. It's not super easy to find on NFL.com, but Pro Football Reference has it. And the Patriots were not one of the top passing games in terms of yards, but in terms of expected points added, they were third. And the New Orleans Saints were second. And in in terms of yards, those teams were a little farther down. The Patriots were eighth, and the Saints were even farther down than that, I think. Uh, So, you know, it is about performing at certain moments. So that's what expected points looks at is if you have first down at the opposing team's 20-yard line, how many points are you expected to score compared to the rest of the league? How many points did you score or how much closer did you come to scoring? And the Vikings last year were not anywhere close to the top in that category. They were 22nd. And this is where I think last year the tight ends were underutilized. Absolutely. Tyler Conklin was the number two tight end or number three, was never used. Kyle Rudolph, I think it took Mike Zimmer um, putting Kevin Stefanski in charge in order for Kyle Rudolph to start getting the football. And uh, now having two of those guys – Mike Zimmer today was talking about just what a challenge it creates because of the number of different formations you can use with two tight ends. And I feel like Irv Smith and whether he catches on quickly is going to be the key to whether the Vikings are in the middle of the league or if they could be a little bit higher, a little bit closer to those top teams. So this is always a challenge when, uh, you know, the media types like ourselves, as we love to talk to the coaches over the OTAs in the summertime of like, you know, what do you expect, say, Irv Smith's role is going to be? But you don't really know. Uh, how much he can sometimes even mentally, uh, you know, take in in the off season and then training camp to because in the in the tight ends in this system, 
sometimes you're a true tight end. You're on the end of the line of scrimmage. You're next to the tackle. You're in a three-point stance. But a lot of other times you're out wide as sort of a wide receiver. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of times you motion back in. You know, all those things give the quarterback a lot of tells. Is it man? Is it zone? We expect in the blitz these types of things. And those tight ends have to be all over the field and sort of constantly moving around to give the quarterback, give the coordinator some tips uh, to help identify the defense. And so that's a lot on a plate for a young tight end. You know, mm-hmm. there's sometimes they're yeah. almost a fullback in this style. There'd be times where Irv Smith motions into the backfield and looks like he's in sort of a, a fullback set, right? Sure. So they have to have that, that ability to go from tight end to fullback to sometimes wide receiver. Uh, the more things that he can do that, and the more that he can take in mentally and the things that he can physically do, the more we'll see him on the field. Is that why it's so hard for these younger guys at tight end? I mean, cause I feel like uh, it is extremely difficult for young tight ends. And when you look at the numbers that they back it up that there are very rarely tight ends who go to the pro bowl in their first year very rarely guys who end up with more than five or six hundred yards it's usually in the first year uh, a slow process for tight ends and it seems to me that it's just a really complicated position but with Irv Smith being the number two guy I think they can focus on maybe what he does best or what sort of plays work for him or what concepts he grasps and then just try to use his athleticism because he is an above average speed guy for being a tight end. Yeah, they're, they're going to have different packages that he's getting. thing is, once you get into the season, you can really start focus on exactly what you do based on every single play. I mean, you, you know exactly what you're doing and and uh, Brian Perry, the tight ends coach, he will well drill those guys and what the responsibilities are. I can promise you that. So, you know, they may not have to throw everything on his plate uh, right off the bat, but which is nice to have a veteran like Rudy, you know, doing that. And, you know, the, the, the challenge with the tight end, and it's also why a lot of times tight ends make fairly decent head coaches sometimes mm-hmm. or offensive coordinators. Sure. It's because they have to be a part of the passing game and the running game. You know, right. when I come out and I say, hey, bunch right, 200 jet excellent with spacing, the X receiver a la like Adam Thielen, he's running the slant, X slant. That's mm-hmm. the play. It's pretty simple. Line up, run the slant. Right. The the tight end has to not only understand the passing game concept, mm-hmm. but there might be an audible to a running game and what's the call in the running game. And, you know, in, in this passing game concept, let's just say, am I the hot guy? A lot of times the tight ends like is the hot throw the, the, in case they blitz or something like that. So sure. there's a lot of little details that the tight ends have to go through and – particularly in whether it's play action and their pass blocking or in the running game, they're going against the best athletes on the defensive side of the ball or those defensive ends who are just freaks of nature. And so that's another physical challenge they have to go through. Okay, because you did that, I was going to ask you this anyway, but especially because you just threw out a play call, I want you to give me a potential play from a Kubiak system Mm -hmm. with two tight ends that you think that, that kind of encapsulates why it works, why Irv Smith would work for the Vikings to help Kirk Cousins. Well, here's an example today, you know, and again, I remember I talked earlier about there's this process that Koobs likes to go through. And what I saw today, and what is it, this the fourth day of? It's like um, it was so. second padded practice. Second padded practice yes. of, of camp here. So today it looked like they were doing a thing we call two plays. So he literally goes in the huddle. And this is not the, like, check with me system or the kill system, as you hear people call, where I have two plays in the huddle and I'm going to go from one to the other based off the defense. It's actually we're going to run this play. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the play is over, we're going to get back on the ball. We're going to run a second play. Okay. Generally on first sound or an easy snap count. Right. But we're going to have an answer in that play versus all the looks. And so today – uh, I believe they went something like a, a, a trips left 14 week uh, and then second.
second play is going to be it was like a deep right fake 18 quarterback keep left x uh double post or something like Uh that it was a play similar to that where you have to obviously run the first play and execute it because Mm -hmm. you can't be thinking about that second play you know first things first so execute the first play and then come out and know all the details of that second play know the snap count Mm -hmm. you know all these things it's a it's a it's a way to sort of go up there uh, and just run two quick plays maybe get the defense you know off balance a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, they're not rushing the passers much. They're trying to get lined up. Maybe line up in a funky formation on that second one, so they have to think, and then they may not get lined up correctly. But at the end of the day, it's usually a play that the quarterback sort of knows like the back of his hand. It's not complicated for the offense. We're trying to right. make it complicated for the defense. So uh, they they did that stuff today. So mm-hmm. to imagine as a young tight end uh, trying to figure all those things <laughs> out. There's a lot of complexity there. And then yeah. let's just say. You know, even on that second play, like the quarterback really saw something and he ended up audibling. Right. Wow, now you're adding a whole right. other element to yeah. it. So, you know, that, that listen, NFL players and coaches, there's a lot of time. There's, you know, it's their full-time job. Sure. So they will come up with a new wrinkle, a new idea uh, at, you know, midnight in April. They'll come up <laughs> with some new scheme and, and – uh, and this offense has the ability to do all those things. Well, this is why I've consistently mentioned on the show and podcast and articles I try to present this of just like how much information guys have to process and understand to come into the league. And that's why it is difficult on rookies and also why having smart veteran players is important. And this kind of transitions me into another point. I was going to say the veteran guys who may they've lost a step, but man, you know they're going to do the right thing every time. Exactly. And, and having that sort of accountability and trust for a guy like Kirk Cousins to throw to a Rudolph, even though he doesn't have that burner speed, but yep. he knows exactly where he's going to be 100% of the time. That's huge. Well, that, that brings me, though, to the backup quarterback competition, which, again, I am not talking about. I can ask you questions, but the rule is I'm not giving opinions on the backup quarterback competition because it does not matter. That's why. Because makes me very sad. Because if, Kirk, me. because if Kirk goes down, you go 4-12, and 12, and that's the end of the conversation. Um, but you have thoughts on this. And, and here is where I think, aside from being a guy with a good arm like Sean Mannion is, he probably wins this because he's been with Sean McVay before, which has to mean that he's smart and fully understands how all these things work. And Kyle Sloter has never touched NFL field before. He's only been active for probably a handful of games, if he even was as a backup at any point. So, you know, I think that there is a lot of value, though, in having a backup quarterback who can process all of that type of information and help the starter and help with the scout team. And so when you see Sloter play really well in the fourth quarter of the third preseason game, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to beat out Sean Mannion for the backup job. Well, again, we're talking, we were talking about trust earlier and having somebody who's sort of been there and done it and, and the coaches have seen them do that so they can go to sleep at night and not be stressed out that their guy with no experience goes in and you know they're up by three touchdowns and Kirk gets hurt and they lose the football game and they look like the biggest idiots of all time. So <laughs> the nice thing about Mannion, he, he has been in this style of offense before. He understands those details. You know, Sean McVay, one of the better offensive minds in football and is running runs the same system. So that is huge for him. And I, you can see that experience today. He feels very, very comfortable in this offense. He does a nice job of checking the ball down. I know it sounds really boring and it's not exciting to fans to not have the guy constantly so buy the your ball season down the field. tickets now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think Make he, sure you check out the preseason game. We were talking on the field today, you know, when the St. Louis Rams won the Super Bowl, 
with uh, Kirk or Kurt Warner as their backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, Trent Green gets hurt. Kurt Warner comes in. Was it middle of the preseason, late in the preseason? Um, it was week one. I it, think it was week one. The week preseason. One, Trent Green went down. He goes down of the regular and, season. I think. and they win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, um, with Kurt Warner quarterback. That doesn't happen. Like that is right. that is like the miracle on ice story sure. that occasionally occurs in the NFL. Shoot, Adam Thielen's like that story, you know, to try to an undrafted guy ends up being a superstar like that. That that doesn't happen very often. So the chances of a a Mannion or or any of these guys being the Adam Thielen of the quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. room, it's probably not going to happen. But what you hope for. Uh, so if you're so if Kirk Cousins goes down, it's hard to think that like the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl. But if he goes down for a month or for two months or right. or, or two games or six weeks, and the, the, one of these guys can come in and go 500, they can go three and three or four and four, or two and two. You may they start out the season five and two. Your quarterback goes down for six weeks. It doesn't mean you're done. You're not going to lose six games in a row. That's to me. Mm-hmm. That's their job. And I think this again, this system I think allows those guys to sort of execute more than try to go out there and like do everything and sort of make magic happen and have to carry the load on their back. I think that Filippo's offense last year, the quarterback had to carry the load of the offense and now and not sort of allow the offense to sort of just sort of work and be a functioning part of that. And I think Mannion can do that in the system. He looked pretty good out there today. Are you aware of what your win-loss record was? Six and six. I think there's 500 quarterback bias in your comments. There. So, so, uh, uh, but as, as the Texans' offense, which was this offense for me, are very similar. I was six and four, right? Uh, and three of those four losses were to the in, those, those uh, stinky Indianapolis Colts <laughs> uh, and Peyton Manning. So Manning beat you which, three times. Yeah, like we're basically like we're gonna, we're probably gonna lose, beat those guys anyway. Like no one was they're 40, 14 and two every year, and I happened right. to you know shop kept getting hurt. <laughs> I was like, thanks, get hurt. You know, not for the. Uh, you know, the, for the Buffalo team, that's going to win three games this year. But for the Colts, who are going to lose three games this year. And that okay. seemed like those are the games that I was always starting against. So I, I've got to see how you did head to head with uh, with Manning in terms of statistics. Did you? Did, did, I had did some good games. A run, a run for I, his money. I had some good games and not. I, I don't think I ever played bad. The nice thing is about that team was that defensively, of course, they had Dwight Fernie and, and some really good players, Bob Sanders, but they weren't a complex defense. They, sure. they truly did like three or four things, and that's about it. That was that Tampa 2. You sort of knew what you're going to get. You could probably run the ball a little bit. And everyone in our division, Tennessee, Jacksonville, and us, we all played the same way, was mm-hmm. like three yards in a cloud of dust and try to get a first down and a third down and then keep the ball out of Peyton Manning's hands. And so we'd have these like eight, nine possession games where there'd be like one punt the whole game. And yeah. you just hope that, you know, somebody would drop a pass or a running back would fumble. There'd be a holding penalty on their offensive line to give us a chance because Peyton was such a surgeon back in those days. And so you just try to minimize the the possessions that you'd have because, you know, if they're going to get nine possessions, Peyton's going to score four touchdowns. That's just the way it was going to be. So I uh, try to keep up with that. But the good part was you weren't going against this attacking, confusing, you know, uh, turnover, creating defense. It was there were completions to be had. And so statistically, I bet you my stats are actually decent against the Colts. They're not bad. Uh, impressively, two of the losses were very close. One was 31-27. The other one was 33-27. And then there was one where you got your ass kicked, 35-15. to But aside from that, I mean, one of the games you had 246 yards, a touchdown, a pick. Another one you had 233 yards, 
three picks though one day that okay, was that was that's, that's that was, not gonna work yes yeah that was that, that, was, a, that was a bad one <laughs> and then uh <laughs> there's another one where you went uh 192 yards no touchdowns one pick that was the close game 33 27 yeah yeah well, there are some good ones well my rosencopter game where i sort of uh you, that, that was the game that we should have won and that was the oh, chance okay. i had was I'm that not, the 31 27 i think so and we had a, a couple touchdown lead on them and and i tried to run for it on a third and five or third and seven to you know we're sort of in the four minute period or four minutes left in the game trying to run out the clock and end up fumbling and return for a touchdown. I always call that the highest and lowest point of my career. Uh, but uh, it was um, that was probably my best chance. And I was playing, I really thought, like basically perfect football up to that point, sort of the 56-minute mark. And it goes to show you got to play all 60 minutes. And so, um, you know, looking back, I should have slid. We should have punted. Mm-hmm. Peyton Man gets the ball at the 10-yard line. He's down two scores. I like our chances in that game. But, you know, as the backup, you're always – trying to prove yourself sure you're, yeah. you, you, you know you're not used to sliding it's like go for it earn the respect of your teammates and and uh, i went for it and things didn't work out very well for me that john time. elway did the same thing in the super bowl okay so uh it's it's not uh i mean if you hold on to it then it's like if i held, if I would have held yeah. on to it would have been a great play <laughs> and uh you know but i didn't hold on to it so i also don't have a car dealership like elway has or used to have as well either no so. but you know what you probably could spot a decent quarterback and he hasn't been able to do that so that that is true well he, <laughs> he we're going off topic here but man elway likes the six foot five six six guys and Flacco yep. is like all of six five he might yeah. be six six yeah. he's one he's of the taller quarterbacks in the league too so he does love those tall guys uh let's take a quick break and when we come back I want to ask you about Delvin Cook and how often the Vikings should throw the ball to Delvin Cook I wrote about this and I think uh I'll give you a short answer tease more so you could tell me how when we return Matthew Collar Sage Rosenfels uh our journeyman correspondent. We will be right back here on Purple Daily. All right, one more segment here with Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback, Matthew Collar with you. And here's the great thing, Sage. You and I are going to be doing this all the time during football season. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You guys got me on the. Uh, that's a, that's a lot of journeyman right there. It's it's well. We're going to talk about. Are we going to have a day? Last year it seemed like Wednesday was journeyman day. Are we going to do that again oh, this year? Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Who do we play week one? This this who the Vikings play week one? Atlanta this year? has a ton of Atlanta. great. Journeyman. Well, every every quarter every team seems to have it. It's good stories. I'm trying to think of a good. Except well, the Packers shoot Matt Schaub is the backup quarterback back there is he's not is he a journey now he's only been to no. two teams i say no journeyman for matt no. job he was with atlanta and then he went to houston and then back to atlanta okay yes well yeah that's, that's true that's that's not he does have second stint i was gonna say he does st- have second yes, stint yes. I was going to say the criteria is clear, though. He does not have four, four teams, teams. But a, second stint does give him. Stint, yeah. If he had three teams the second stint, I would give him a journeyman. Here's the problem, though, is that he was a franchise quarterback for a while. Yeah. If you're a franchise quarterback, I think that negates. Oh, he's he's made like $70 million. That's it's hard to be. Wait, Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick, though, he's journeyman. He's probably made about that much money. Yes. But also. he's had to play forever to do it. Yeah. And Schaub hasn't played that long yet. Yes. But I think there probably is something of like you had to make comfortable money but if you made like a hundred million you can't be a journeyman quarterback you know joey Just harrington joey harrington started i think for oh, a year yes. with atlanta yes. and 2007 I was, the nightmare season where vic got uh, arrested 
was that was that that year? I'm trying to yeah, think. Yeah, Zimmer was there. That was right. Yeah. Yep. So we so we actually lost to them in a game, and, <laughs> and uh, um, the coach from Louisville, the Louisville coach, Bobby was, Petrino. Bobby Petrino was the head coach, uh, but he was a guy who was the third pick in the draft, but yet became a journeyman quarterback. Yes, which, I would which say. Which we so. decided last year you can happen. That can't happen. Maybe the we Kerry talk Collins about rule. maybe we talk about Joey football and the lore of Oregon football and having your picture on Madison Square Garden. And all those things with Phil Knight and Nike, but yeah, and team up being has some great ones. Really, just a journeyman quarterback. You've got the the Bobby Abair was oh. in here. I, is he a? I think he's he might be. But Jeff George playing for that team. Chris Chandler. I think Chris Chandler is a journeyman quarterback. He was with Houston. He brought he was, his team to the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, right? I don't think that disqualifies you as being a good journeyman quarterback. But he was with the Bucks and was a total bust. And I think, Let me see his career. I think do I, do I am I correct that he had a some like nice cabbage uh, up top, as in like a like maybe a perm oh, or he is absolutely a journeyman. I'm looking at his uh, <laughs> at his look at all these jerseys. Look at all these jerseys that he wore. And Pro Football Reference shows you all the different jerseys. Oh, there you that go. That is a that is a journeyman right there. Seven different teams. Yeah, he he had a strong arm. Uh, and I think he as was a, a Phoenix Cardinal, Did as you a, know that? I think as a small side note of insider quarterback trading is that I believe he lives in Del Mar, California, which is sort of the hub of like journeyman, uh, uh, not, not journeyman of quarterbacks of <laughs> the ones who made Breeze lives there, Aaron Rodgers lives there, Shoot, okay, Chase Daniels lives there, but all these, uh, you know, Carson Palmer yeah. and my buddy AJ Feely, but there's like. 10 or 15 current or former quarterbacks who have a house in that Del Mar. You know, North Turner lives like right next to Carson Palmer. They're literally next door neighbors. Yeah. Uh, Steve Mariucci has a place there. So I definitely know uh, Chris Chandler is one of those guys. So we can get into this more around week one, but Chris Chandler might be one of the greatest journeymen of all time because he's got the one pop-up season where he goes 13 and one, but everything else is 500 or a disaster. That's like Rex Grossman is sort of the same, right? Yeah. He had that one year with the Bears where they win the Super Bowl. Other than that, he ended up becoming sort of a journeyman quarterback. So you said earlier that if you're a good backup quarterback, you win half your games, basically, and then that's doing your job in the NFL. Well, Chris Chandler actually lost more games than he won. But with Atlanta, he has a 13-1 season, still ended up as a 500 quarterback, 34-33. and 33 Over the Atlanta. course of his career. Even so, in, in Atlanta. I tell you what, though, 70 starts is a lot. You know, 70 oh, yeah. starts is a lot for yeah, a journeyman quarterback. But he played until he was 39. I mean, for that was just for that's Atlanta. True. I mean, his total starts is 152. So, oh, 150. Yeah, so I thought that's hard. So 150 starts over the course of, what, 15, 16, 17, 17 years yeah. probably. Yeah. So, so he doesn't fall into the backup, but he's definitely journeyman. Journeyman starting quarterback yeah, journeyman almost. Starter. Yeah, right. Like Fitzpatrick, where yeah, he's Fitz, always got a starting job. He, he definitely has become that. So, yeah, he was, uh, he was going. And that, and that Dirty Bird season, I tell you, that was a, that was a good football team and they could run the football uh dan reeves being the head coach great defense and, actually, uh, and, and a very very good defense on that team great linebacking core let me ask you something about delvin cook before we wrap up here on uh, purple daily how often should they throw him the football in this offense because i think the answer is a lot uh, last year I did kind of the math on what his targets would have translated to if he played all 16 games, and it was about 70. I'd like to see him get 90 targets, maybe even more than that, because he's just so dynamic with the ball in his hands, and then he's so multifaceted. He can run a decent route tree. He can line up at a wide receiver. I think that throwing him the ball 
should be a huge priority for I this think any time the Vikings can get the ball in space to Dalvin Cook, that is a plus for the Vikings because he's a guy that maybe can't make – he he makes you miss by just outrunning you sometimes. You know, you see sometimes he might catch a ball in the flat and, and sort of near the near the sideline, but just the speed uh where he sort of outruns the linebacker or safety who's trying to cover him and he just goes right past him and gets fifteen on just a check down on some sort of like, you know, play action type right. of thing. We talked about regularly screens last year oh yeah they, they didn't throw enough you know, screens man we're all drop back pass but there's no screen game to slow down the rush we're I all, know. believe me gary kubiak whether it's to running backs or tight ends loves that screen game again it's another way to slow down that pass rush knowing that your offensive line is at sometimes a disadvantage most of them a disadvantage amongst these monsters that play defensive line in the nfl so Screens to the running back are good. You know, it seems to me he's got pretty good hands to put him out and run some yes, I don't yeah. think he's not going to be Le'Veon Bell. No. He's not going to be one of those guys who truly can play like a wide receiver. But he can do a lot of things, some underneath stuff, some shallow stuff. He's got that burst. Anytime you can get him space one-on-one with, say, a linebacker where he can catch a football and then that one guy has to has to tackle him, I like our chances with, with Alvin Cook in, in that situation. So the more times they get, them, get him the ball in space and not necessarily just hand the ball in the backfield, uh, I think that would be huge for the Vikings offense. Well, folks, this is the type of football talk you'll be hearing. As Sage said, several times a week, I am really excited about it, and I'm glad that you could come to training camp, man. It's fun. I know. It's nice to see my, I was up here yesterday, uh, Sunday as well. It's a little more, uh, you know, damp and overcast. Today was beautiful out there, but uh, it's you know, it's hard for me to sit around all off season. Which in sports radio, you know, there's a lot of speculation of what sure, might happen, yeah. and this guy's contract, and this guy's this, and who are they going to draft? It's hard for me to get too focused and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I like to watch guys work. I like to watch sure. the film, you know, see where the mistakes were, whether it was a, or, 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 or the positive play. How did the, you know, how did the Vikings hit that touchdown deep down the field? You know, who screwed up defensively? To me, that's my <laughs> strength. Uh, it's not to sit here and speculate on what the contract's going to be or who, who they should, you know, what they should, who they should sign, who they should trade for. Those types of things aren't my specialty. Those are what most guys are talking about, most radio people are talking about. But to me, I like, I actually like watching them practice i like watching them uh, in the games in the film study because uh, then that's that's to me an easier thing for me to talk about well if you counted the number of players that i traded for for the vikings or signed this offseason it's probably in triple digits um so you know yes, it would be that really was, that was my strength you know what would be you know it's too bad washington doesn't just sort of give us trent williams uh, <laughs> and some salary see, cap relief see, you like this you would, like speculation oh, that would be nice well you know when you have a really good player on another team who seems to be unhappy that's yeah. when you you know it's like when bill belichick swoops in for like the discount and he'll get him for the minimum or something uh-huh. and Washington yep. will play the whole basically pay the whole salary and he'll get him for like a sixth round draft pick somehow so you know with the Vikings could get a a really really good player like that that'd be nice to have okay i'll just i'll let you do it before we go i'll let you do it give me your trent williams trade this is the most reckless Mm. of reckless speculation but see once you try it you you start to like it i know it's all speculation right um you know i don't (laughs) know you know the thing the hard part is the money situation so yeah like you know who okay ignore that figures well and here's how i can figure it out and i think xavier rhodes is an excellent cornerback right uh and i don't think he had as good a year last year as the previous couple seasons but i do think he's a very good cornerback he also is very expensive so he could be a guy 
that the Vikings felt strong at at that position, which is like Zimmer's position that he coaches so well. Yep. The problem is they've got some issues there. Mike Hughes coming off his injury. They got the suspension by Hill. Yep. But if they had all those guys ready – there might be a like, hey, there's there's a player like we could we could get a left tackle, and we still think they have some pretty good cover corners. Like that would be something to actually talk about. I don't think it, it would never happen, but that mm-hmm. would be a possibility because the actual the money aspect mm-hmm. uh, sort of makes sense too. Because the Vikings truly can't afford to to trade for a player, not because they can't give up a, a second round draft pick or something, because they don't have the seventeen million dollars in cap space that mm-hmm. you need to sign Trent Williams unless you some somehow cut. 15 or 17 million dollars see you say oh well you know i'm not into this speculation oh but i've got this great trade for you okay i just sort of All thought right. when i saw uh <laughs> you know i saw this morning or maybe it was yesterday that you know the it sounds like washington is trying to make it seem like there's not an issue there right the, the, well, the there Trent is. williams crowd is saying like no there's a he does not trust the ownership he yeah. does not want to play for that team they are done yeah. blah 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 that'd be nice to go like well you know, left tackle is a nice position to add. It certainly would uh, be that knows this scheme also, uh, and could be that could be a huge. Mm-hmm. I think that would possibly change the, the the dynamic of this offense. Okay, we're going to come up with something throughout the season when you recklessly speculate for like journeyman speculation or something. You could make some uh, sort of like noise. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, an explosion. Like, all right, Sage had a thought. Wow! Uh, wow! Wow! Speculate. What do you know? And wow! Then crazy. Pro Football Talk will pick it up. Former quarterback says Vikings should whatever. All right. Uh, thanks for coming, Sage. Really enjoyed our in- extreme football talk. We'll do it a lot this season. So make sure you are subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to Purple Daily. And we will return here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.